Welcome to the Celtic Way podcast, where we look to bring a fresh vision of spiritual life by nurturing a vibrant, evolving, and sustainable life with God in nature. Celtic spirituality is an ancient tradition of seeing God in everyone and in everything. Welcome everyone to the Celtic Way podcast. I am joined as always by creative director of Celtic Way, Scott Jenkins. And we also have again with us, Diane Bryant. And Scott, you're going to lead us through a conversation on belonging. This should be good. I'll jump right in. My most recent conversation yesterday was with a guy who's 47 years old. And he is the creator of two international companies and he's made his share of money let me put it that way he hopes to retire at age 50 and it's a brilliant guy and a likable guy and this is probably our third or fourth meeting and we're getting into some of the real real meat of why he's meeting with me he's representative for me of a number of conversations that i've had probably maybe a year or two three before the pandemic he is feeling and experiencing a loss of community he's very successful he's happily married they have wonderful kids and a great house and everything but he no longer has a sense of community and he doesn't know quite where he belongs. He used to find belonging in certain social groups, but especially the church. And as time goes on with this couple and what their kids were being taught in Sunday school, especially began to awaken them to like, what do we believe and how does it make sense in the world we find ourselves in today that is very cosmopolitan and very diverse, you know, and all the literal, and I hate to pick on people today, and very conservative messages began to sound like clanging gongs, you know, just kind of like, this isn't authentically us. And so over time, gradually, they began to leave the institutional church and over time lost connections with the people who still stayed in that church. And honestly, like he said to me, I can't find my friends who left before I did. We want to be spiritual people, but we really need a community to do that. And it really got me thinking, even before yesterday, as the conversations I'm having with 20 and 30-year-olds who just stop. And for some of them, it was cold in their tracks. You know, it's just bam, like I'm quitting cigarettes, I'm quitting church. And other people gradually, painfully left and were like, but where do we go? Where do we find belonging? Where do we find community? And so, and probably my second year of exploring this whole thing, I really wanted to delve into what is it that you really miss? Because obviously, if it's, quote, going to church, it's one on every corner, just go. You know, they're like, no, that's not it. And they feel, how did one guy describe it to me? I have an invisible wound. It's a heartache. And I said, what is it, the heartache? And he said, I feel like I'm not known. Scott, I have five really good conversations with people throughout the day. None of those people are connected to each other, and I'm not all that connected to them, but I have these conversations. 
I'm glad I do, but it's not a whole lot better than Zoom. And he said, in fact, that's kind of my life. I Zoom through life. I hurry. Mm -hmm. I go from one thing to the next thing, tie to the next person conversation. I come home at night. I look at them, and they're all there, and none of them are connected with each other. Yeah. The two of you have had experiences with people leaving church, with people searching. Can you share some of those with me? I'm wondering if you're finding similar experiences around the people you know and meet. You know, Scott, I thought about that that word, belong, as you're talking. A longing to be known. A longing to be known, to belong. And I echo in many of the relationships of what you've just talked about, people who have come to me in that very same idea of longing for something that wasn't, that, that over the last couple of years, that if they were church people, that it didn't fit that sense of intimate idea of connection and knowing, knowing me as I am to be long and known that way. And I think of one 20-something, she was 25 actually, who honestly did the cold turkey thing and said, I'm done. She was on the worship team on staff and said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. It doesn't fit who I am and what I see in the others that I'm with who are living on the surface. And, and who am I really? And what does this mean to belong to others who know me as I am? and take me for what that is, and then enter into that with me, and help me, what's the word, call forth that which is who I am in some sense. Yeah. Yeah, I can identify with some of the people that you're both speaking of, of just having that belonging for the longest time within the context of church, and then maybe when you feel like you don't fit in anymore, maybe you just don't want to be a part of it, at least from a leadership standpoint anymore, suddenly you don't feel like you belong because your belonging was based on, on ideology, on a mission, on a vision, I guess. And then as soon as you step out of that mission, vision, ideology, and you feel like you no longer belong and you look around yourself and you're wondering where all the people went when you used to be surrounded on such a regular basis. And, Mm -hmm. and then maybe in my situation, I felt like, well, maybe that was just a false sense of belonging. And, you know, Scott, you've had a a hard go of it lately. I've been having some difficult times in my own life. Diane can speak to that as well. Like life is hard. And about a month ago, this is such perfect timing. About a month ago, I was having a good old pity party and I looked at my phone and I looked at my text messages and, you know, there's people in my life that kind of know some of the hardships I'm going through. And I noticed that it had been a month since anybody reached out and just simply asked how I was doing. And I had a, I, I tell you, I had maybe one of the best pity parties I've ever had in my life for a good solid day or two. And then I had this realization of, wait a second, like if I want to feel like I belong, I also can just reach out to the people that I believe I belong with and ask them if we could spend some time. And so that's what I started doing. Not people who have the same ideologies as I do, the same belief systems, not people I work with, but a couple of people that have been friends of mine for 20 some years. Mm. I just, I just reached out to him and said, I'm, I'm hurting. I'm struggling. I can't get my feet on the ground. Can we just spend time with one another? Mm. And so we did that just last week, actually. And it was such a beautiful thing. And I felt like I was at home. I felt like I belonged because it was 
not surrounding anything. They didn't expect anything out of me. Mm. They just expected to be with me. And so then after we were done hanging out for probably a couple of hours, we just looked at each other in the eyes and said, well, what are you doing next week? And then we invited another friend to that as well, who's struggling to belong. Mm. And so for me, you know, I felt like I belonged. I realized that was maybe a false sense of belonging, had some really, really solid pity parties, and then decided that maybe it's time to take it into my own hands. Mm. We can do something about that. We can. But that takes a certain vulnerability, did it not, Matt? To say, I'm willing Mm -hmm. to venture into something where I really have to open myself up so that someone else can see me as I really am or long to be. Yeah, because it's a lot easier to blame and it's a lot easier to have Mm -hmm. a pity party. And honestly, sometimes that feels a lot better. Mm -hmm. But if I really Mm -hmm. want to belong, sometimes you do have to do those really difficult, vulnerable things. And I tell the two of you with all sincerity, I hate vulnerability. It is way up there on the hate list. It it (laughs) makes me feel so uncomfortable. I'm kind of with you on that, man. Uh, Yeah, that whole concept of of vulnerability. That longing to be requires moving some of that layer stuff out and and deciding it's worth it. It's worth it to belong by allowing myself to take the risk of entering into something that I really don't know how that's going to turn out. But I want to be human and make a connection and be vulnerable and take the risk to do that. I think we live on a surface level most of the time unless we pause long enough to step back and say, whoa, I need to take a deeper look at what's going on here. And I'm very good at lying to myself. I can, mm-hmm. I can talk myself into not needing to belong mm-hmm. and, and feel better in the moment. you know. <laughs> and then I try that for about a week and I feel so miserable. And then you realize that you actually do need to belong. Doing the journey alone is a very dangerous thing because mm-hmm. we do lie to ourselves mm-hmm. and we create patterns and habits in our life that are not good for us and so on. It's almost like being a part of a genuine community draws out, nourishes, and empowers us to be our authentic self. But it takes availability, and it takes vulnerability. And, you know, how many of us are truly available to another person, another group? I think the word busy should be categorized in the group of four-letter words, you know, mm-hmm. because it's, it's detrimental. It's, uh, some people wear it like a badge. I'm so busy. I, I agree with that, Scott. And I've also seen people who are desiring to belong, who make themselves busy with other people so that they have a sense of belonging when it's really just a false sense, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. this is a yeah. delicate, very tricky thing that we're, we're it is. trudging into yeah. here. It is. And, you know, when you said to the point, Matt, about now I decided to do something about it, it's risky. And and you do. You take a risk and you put yourself out there. In our country, a lot of times weakness is not respected. It's not appreciated. It's not tolerated. It's like, I got enough problems of my own, blah, 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 blah. And, And man, I've really, I want you to know that all the crap that me and my family have been through the last year or so you've been a real trooper being mm. there followed oh, and i appreciate it my pleasure and likewise i whenever i talk about my friend scott jenkins i always tell everybody <laughs> he's one of the best things that's happened to me in the last couple of years oh so, there you ooh. go Okay, let's end the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that calls to, though, I think another thing that runs right up against busy 
it's not a four letter word, it's selfishness. You know, if we get to the heart of it, engaging with one another on a level that goes beyond the surface requires sacrifice. And I think we tend to live in a culture that remains self-centered and selfish and saying, you know, I don't really want to be bothered. I got enough busy. This takes a sacrifice on my part. It takes something I have to uh, surrender and let go of in order to make space and room to allow someone else to be a part of, or me to desire to enter into someone else's story. Our rugged independence, so to speak, that this country kind of stands its, itself on, doesn't really allow us to even begin to con- consider the idea of, hey, maybe there's more to this being human than just doing my own thing, my way. Yeah, Scott, you mentioned busyness as well, Diane, you alluded to it. I don't think it's any different than using drugs, alcohol, sex, mm-hmm. we're just trying to numb something. And I know that's, that's what I go to. I can yeah. dive into work all day long and I don't have to feel mm-hmm. while I'm there. That's what busyness yeah. is. It's a coping mechanism and it's a very unhealthy one. And the, the sad thing, being a pastor can be that too. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so involved in other people's lives. I don't yeah. have time for my own. I don't really yeah. want there to be time for my own. Yeah. We have to kind of ask ourselves what we're afraid of. I mean, that's a four-letter word, fear. Uh, why am I afraid to feel? What's right. going on here? Diane, you're starting to sound like my counselor. That's about enough mm-hmm. of that. <laughs> <laughs> I think when you said that, I, I decided to do something about it. Being the creative director, you know, I can get lost in talking about Celtic Christianity, or I can talk about the contemplative life. I can talk about finding God in nature. I can talk about the importance of having an Anamkara, a soul friend, and a, a small faith community in which to do the journey with. And now, with this podcast, I'm really deciding I want to do something about it, really do something, engage it, because I was reading some of the history of the Celtic Christian movement about the monastic communities and what it must have been like to be able to raise your crops and your animals and have five times of prayer every day. And, you know, I think, well, yeah, but I don't stop and think about all the hardships that were there either, you know, and see see the same people all the time, then familiarity does breed contempt, you know, after a while. Mm -hmm. But I do long for... You know, some kind of pattern in life, something that in terms of church, I mean, a lot of my younger friends downtown will tell me the church has become really excellent. Really, they have polished the way to to sound relevant, but also they keep reality outside the church. We don't talk about the things that really, really pain us or the struggles we really, really have. And I think that the monastic movement, the prayerful movement, the vulnerability movement of Celtic Christianity in the early, early days, where they were small groups who knew each other well and, and did these kind of things together, somehow I want to in Colorado and then later in Wisconsin, to have communities like this. Today we call them small faith communities in the Catholic circles. We call them house churches and other circles. But you get the message of people who are willing to do the journey together and to really do it and to be present for each other and to undergo that whole Celtic contemplative transformative experience 
I don't think I'm going to find it outside of a small faith community. Mm. I think I'm joking with myself, just like, you know, Mm -hmm. churches talking about God and about the sacraments and about mission. No, really, the community and church is about doing this, about being this. And so now I want to be just be public and say I want to launch an expression somehow, some way, when and where in this life it can happen. And I, that's a bold thing, and that's a vulnerable thing. And somebody's going to say, who the hell are you thinking that you can do something like this? And I, I think I just want to try. I just would like to find a small group of people and say, let's meet on a regular basis and break bread together and share the, the scriptures and prayer and try to figure out what mission might look for us. Mm-hmm. And then during the days when we're not meeting together in person, let's commit to morning and evening prayer. And we may not be able to do it together. We might do it Zoom together a couple times a week. But to do something like that. In the Gospel of John, it says uh, the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us, pitched his tent, I think is how uh, one of the versions says, and he dwelt among us, lived among us. And I think that the whole embodiment, the whole incarnational idea, is kind of what I'm after. I'll still go to the cathedral, go to the liturgy with my wife and receive the sacraments. And I'm not anti-church, but I need something adjacent to it, right? I can't be friends with 600 people. You know, but I think that the the pattern of the early Celtic Christian movement still can be done because the deep wisdom is I can't become myself without this community. I have no place to really offer my gifts. I have no place to draw gifts out from other people. I have no group to say what's going on in our neighborhood that we can do something concretely about to make life better for people who are struggling. And our experience of God is so much richer when there are others, other opinions and other practices and and other experiences. I just want to go on record and saying publicly that I really want to start a group like that here in Colorado. Yeah. Hearing you talk, Scott, it makes me think that maybe we've just had it all backwards. And I think about some of the, you know, the disciples where it would say, you know, we hear that they would go to the temple and worship, but that wasn't what they were really known for. They were known for their togetherness as a crew, right? Not for their temple worships. And so maybe, maybe both can be relevant, but maybe we just have to switch them around and say, like you just said, like church is something I like big church is something I go to and do with my wife or others. But that small community, that's really that's really where the beauty can happen. That's where the belong the true belonging can mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where the transformation yeah. takes place. Exactly. I, I think back to the tales of Narnia in, in one of the stories of you know, rubbing the skin off a bit to get to the embodiment of Christ in us. And we need each other to do that. Right. To rub against our external to get to the heart of Christ in you, Scott, Christ in you, Matt, um, reflecting then what is and brings value and depth and truth to me, to my reality. And, and we need each other and an embodiment of Christ in us, uniquely in us, to do that together. And that's that beauty that we would share in that kind of community. The people yeah. that are closest to us can 
bring the best out of us. They can also call out the worst in us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those are things you can't find in large group community settings. That's those are things you can only find going back to this word that I hate so much that can only be found in the midst of vulnerability. It's only where it belongs. That's only where it is. Yeah. It's pretty easy to walk into a congregation of of a hundred or 600 and not have to think about your skin being rubbed a little bit. I mean, you might hear something, but certainly not the reality of the rubbing against another who, who calls out that which is real and true in every way. Yeah. I'm thinking about my meeting with my friend as you're talking, Diane, about that skin rubbing. Mm -hmm. He doesn't let me get away with stuff. That's one of the reasons that sometimes I don't like to hang out with him (laughs) is because if I say something, you know, if I say something to somebody in, in my workplace or something like that, they're just going to go along with it. Right. Just because they don't want to rub my skin. If I say something like that to my friend, Ryan, or my friend, John, they're going to say, I'm not so sure about that. Or they're going to say, I don't know if that's true. And that, that skin rubbing are the things that I'm thinking about then for the rest of the week. Well, maybe that wasn't true. Maybe Ryan was right. Yep. I don't know, Scott, do you think you're ready for this? I think so. I really yeah, do. Then, I mean, yeah, the Ooh. longing I hear in people was always haunting me. Like, mm-hmm. hey, Scott, you are longing to belong mm-hmm. to to something deeper, something more vulnerable, something more transformative. The challenge oh. for people like the three of us, and I bet for a lot of other people listening to this podcast, is if you're part of that community, you don't need to lead it. You just need to be there. You need to belong no. to it. And no. sometimes because we've been leaders in larger yes. scope communities, we That's feel true. like we need to do that. But that actually would take the very fabric of what we're trying to do away from it. That's exactly yep. right. Good point, yep. Matt. Yep. Yeah. I agree. So longing for community and creating that which we long for, I think, is, is a real opportunity. Be, feel free to check back in with me and say, how is that going? Did you just brush that off the table, checked off a podcast? Now you're onto something else. But I, so hold me accountable, is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And the second thing, I guess I want to close with this is then our next podcast. I want to talk about because we have this disconnection when we don't have community. And I've been reading a lot about what happens to us when we're disconnected mm-hmm. with the earth, when we're disconnected mm-hmm. with creation. Oh, I had no idea. I feel it but I have not closely examined it before. And I think it's a both and because for me too, Scott, like when I think about creation, I feel so deeply connected there. I feel like I belong there every day I walk outside. I mean, I'm blessed Mm -hmm. and fortunate that I live out in the country. Like, you know, I know you guys get a chance to be around creation and all its beauty and splendor. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes (laughs) talk about telling lies. Sometimes I say, well, that's enough. Yeah, yeah. got bad. my fix, and thank you very much. Right. Yeah, I kind of prefer to let it be that way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know that whole concept of just our interdependence and our our vision of how when we say creation, what does that really mean to yeah. us individually, and what does that really look like in Celtic spirituality and Christianity? That was a very significant aspect of yeah. who they were and how they lived. You know, we're in this season of Thanksgiving, right? And where we all celebrate. It's always been my favorite holiday because it's only centered on that. It's centered on being together. You know, Christmas is lovely, but it's all clouded Mm -hmm. by the presents and the television shows and the music and the hoopla. Where Thanksgiving is is the best because 
we're quite literally coming together to eat with one another, to prepare with one another. We usually spend the entire day together. And there's very few times that we have in a given year when that happens. And this is yeah. one of them. And so this is a great chance to enjoy belonging. The gratitude of belonging. Yeah. I have a quote for you. Genuine community heals both body and soul, individual and surrounding neighborhood, and brings peace to the earth. That's why we need this. Special thanks again to Diane Bryant for joining this episode. If you want to support Celtic Way, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, give it a five-star rating, and write a review. And if you'd like to become a sustainable member or learn more about Celtic Way, go to CelticWay.org. Find us on Facebook at Celtic Way.